Thanks for checking out the Detroit Church Podcast. I'm Fonz, one of the leaders here, and I'm excited to invite you into something special. This week, we'll hear a story about gospel community. Now, we understand that the entire expression of the church cannot be limited to just Sundays. And to help us carry the truths and the precepts of the gospel into the everyday stuff of our lives, we've initiated something called Life Groups, a smaller space where we're invited and challenged to follow Jesus together. Check out this story from John and Tanisha Owens about this very thing. Hi, everyone. I'm Tanisha. This is John. We are the Owens. That's our baby Jonah. And I just wanted to share briefly about how joining a life group has impacted our family. And this is a little serious and it's a little sobering, so sorry, but it's what it is. Um, before we came to Detroit Church, we were members of a neighborhood church locally, and we loved it. It was very comfortable for us. And the reason why it was comfortable was because we were the invisible family. Um, the church had at least 11 entry doors, and we could just pick one, go in, worship, leave, and no one ever know, knew who we were. Nobody knew who we were. We had no friends and no sense of connection, and that was by our own design because our life was a hot mess. Um, we were living separately, but we would wake up and go to church together and meet there, and then we would leave, and if we would worship and have encounters, I would ugly cry worship out to God, and then we would just leave and go home and live lives the way we knew how because we were a mess. We didn't know what we were doing as far as being married. Um, our marriage was, I would say, was broken to the point of just there was no way we could repair it. And we were hoping God would fix it, but it was, it was, a, it was a long shot. It was like God can fix it, but he's probably not. Um, to the point where I had the divorce documents on my computer, they were filled out. I just hadn't submitted them because we just didn't know what to do. Um, both of us were actively just disengaged and done with the marriage. We wanted to be the invisible family at church because being invisible meant nobody needed to know anything about us. We didn't have to open up, and we were tired of being hurt by people. Um, when we were struggling in our marriage, we, would, we had reached out to people in our family and then found out from other people in our family what was going on in our marriage because they thought that praying for us meant sharing with other people and then everybody knew all our business. And I was just not interested in have that happen again, having people judge us, having people look at us like we were less than. It was embarrassing and we were just living our lives and secret shame. So we both adopted this G code that it was like, look, we're just going to thug it out on our own. If God wants to heal our marriage, he's going to heal it in silence. Nobody's going to see us, and it will just come out and be like this amazing family. But that's not how it worked. Um, so I remember praying a prayer, God, please release me from this marriage so that I could go find another stepdaddy for my son. No, that's, that's legit. That is like, that was a real prayer. Like I was like, Lord, let us out because we're not doing anything here. But while we were going to the church that we were, um, we were at, there was a video for Detroit Church 
we saw the video and we both had an immediate buy-in. It was like, this is something good. Like, we don't know what God is going to do with us, but this church is what we have been asking for. So we ran, like we just ran. And we, we kind of committed to, our, to each other that when we came to this church, we would do things differently. We would find some area to serve in and that we would get connected in whatever type of community, whether it be a life group, faith group, whatever it is, we were looking for it. So we did it. We decided to be all in, not thinking God was going to heal us. We were just, we just, it was like our offering to God, please take this offering, you know. Um, when we went, we joined one life group, it abruptly ended, and then we joined another life group. And initially, I had reservations. Like, I, I didn't understand because it was on the west side of Detroit, but it was, we were the only black family. It was one other white, it was one other black man there. So it was like a couple and a half. And the rest of them were all white people on the west side of Detroit. And I, I was like, so I was, I remember being disappointed, not because I don't like white people, but because I, I didn't, that's not what it was supposed to be. So I immediately put my defenses up and I said, this isn't going to work. We are just going to keep coming. And I'm not sharing anything with these people because they're going to judge us. They're they not going to understand where I'm coming from. Not only are we blackety black, but we are blackety black with baggage. And, and the baggage is messy. And I did not know how to let go of the bags that I was carrying. So, and it was heavy. So we kept going to the life group. And the great thing that I noticed was that everybody else in the life group kept coming too. And we were all in a vulnerable state. So many, we had transients, transplants, people who um, were just, didn't have family either. So they needed the same friendship that we needed. And that was our common bond in that family. And I remember I was working late and John had to go to Life Group without me one night on a Tuesday. And when I got off work, I called him. I said, how did things go? And he said, I shared some stuff with these people. And I said, what did you share? <laughs> and he said... That's the only way I know to be free is just to put it out there and see what happens. And I knew he was afraid because, remember, the GCO was to keep everything under wraps so that nobody would know about us. And he said, I shared that we are struggling in our marriage. I told him that we don't even live together, that we drive separately and we meet up there. And I, I just told him we are broken and I don't know what we're going to do. I don't know how God is going to heal us. And I was mad. Like, I was livid to the point where I, it was a code 10 emergency. It was a breach of security. That's how I felt. I was like, they know stuff about us. I'm never going back to this group because now they know about me and they're gonna judge us. So it was, I was wrestling on the inside. Here's this man trying to get us free, you know, being transparent. And I'm worried about our perception and how we look to people because that's just the lie of the enemy. You know, like how do you look to people is more important than getting set free. So I decided, I reconciled that I was gonna go back to this life group and I was, it was awkward, but I will say that this group, this is the D1 life group that I'm referring to. This, these were the kindest people that I have ever met in my life. Like I've never encountered the love of God 
this way. <laughs> I love you too. These people, when I was able to identify it as a safe place by the Spirit of God, it, the, put your bags down. By the Spirit of God, put your bags down. The weight that I have been carrying. Okay, so if somebody, if you're carrying a burden in life and it's heavy and somebody walks alongside you and takes that burden, immediately becomes half of a burden. So imagine walking with this burden and you have 15 so-called strangers come beside you. Now that burden is multiplied by, well, it's divided by 15. So life became so much easier the way they loved on my son, the way they loved on us, the way they didn't judge us. They didn't look at us like we were dirty. They prayed for us. I remember getting invited over to someone's house and they, she made chicken soup and water. That was it. And I didn't like chicken soup and water, but that was what she had. But it was amazing that she just wanted to get to know us. She just wanted to know us. And I will say that for the first time in years, I felt known. And there was so much value in being known. Like, we were not the invisible family. There were names to our faces, and we were putting the bags down. With that, I identified this life group as a safe place, and I encourage you to be a safe place, meaning that if somebody gives you information, if somebody is struggling in their life, then that's not your permission to go tell everybody. Like, you pray, and you encourage them, and you walk alongside them, or you leave them alone. That's it. And that's what they did at this life group. They covered us in a way that we had never been covered before, and I realized that it was God chasing after us. God pursued us through this life group. And I always thought that God just delivered like this way, but God, he used that community to bring healing to this family. And I can go on and on about the D1 life group, the different individuals, whether it was Deli walking with me in the park and listening to me, or if it was Jeff and Dana being parenting, like parents to us. And Jeff, always gives me a hug like he's my dad every time I see him. And I appreciate just the love that we felt in that group to the point where it didn't happen overnight, but we looked up one day and we, we were able to see each other differently because that life group pointed us towards Jesus. And when we were pointed towards Jesus, we were able to look at each other and see each other in a way that we hadn't seen each other before. So I'm not saying that miracle is going to happen like this at your life group it happened in ours and i if you are struggling alone and you feel like you are afraid to just share or to be known like that's a lie of the enemy like please i i just admonish you to just run run and seek community because without that community you just suffer in silence and that's that's nothing good can come from that I don't have much to add. I mean, that's basically it. Um, but the life group, it was, it was phenomenal, man. And like she said, when we first came to Detroit church, we were still separated, living separated. I was a, I was a mess uh, spiritually, financially, all type of stuff, just all types of jacked up. And uh, we made the decision together to just, to just do it. Um, and, uh, I mean, here we are three years later, 
And, and I do also want to, I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, no, I just want to just, like, back to the slides, like, there was weird macaroni and cheese. There were, there were moments where we did talk about race, and, and there were moments where we felt uncomfortable, but that's family, y'all. Like, that's not a real relationship if there's no conflict whatsoever. Everything isn't always going to be just the best experience ever, but that's how we were able to come to a point where we were real with each other, is, is that conflict. And so we, the macaroni and cheese didn't really matter. It was the fact that we had a place where people saw us and knew us by name and loved us past our hurts to the point where we... <laughs> Jesus over macaroni. And that's it. Sorry, Tommy. Wow. What up, Doe? I'm just... <laughs> My wife's not here, by the way, so she's home with some sick kids. But as I was listening to you, two beautiful people, who now live together, probably make out all the time. <clears throat> I was thinking about this verse in Revelations that says, and they overcame him. And, and in this context, it's talking about him as in the accuser. They overcame him, the accuser, by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And that testimony, I don't even know what to say about it except thank you, Jesus. My goodness. Relationships restored. A marriage restored as a result of walking in community. I, I just, that's amazing. I'm supposed to talk about something else. <clears throat> and I know what it is, I promise. Okay. So, my wife is wild. Um, she is a wild person. And um, I, like, it's true. She's fierce. Um, I got I to tell this in two minutes. <clears throat> in 2005, we lived in this neighborhood. Um, we were restoring a house. It was a prophetic act, that was our opinion, that said this neighborhood is worth restoring a house in because the people that live here are worth being around. This is not uh, here, by the way. This is long, uh, far away on the west side of the country. And we were restoring this house and we were receiving um, death threats. There was this um, uh, Northside gang that would come through and scare away our contractors, and we were having uh, problems restoring this house. In fact, this, this one contractor who had like so much, so much ink on him and, and rode a Harley, and he looked like a bad dude, but he was scared to be <laughs> at our house unless my wife uh, was there uh, with him, which is hilarious. Um, Anyway, um, so, so this is a rough place. Um, I mean, this is the kind of house that was shot into, um, and it was, a, um, it was a dangerous place that we lived in. And <clears throat> we'd had a lot of issues um, with the neighbors and aggression. And after we had lived there a short period of time, my wife decided to make, I don't even know, um, like 100 loaves maybe, maybe it was more of uh, like some kind of pumpkin bread and, and what her idea is, is let's just bless the people that we live around. Let's just, you know, let's, um, let's bless them by, by making this bread. And so our small group, this, the people that we were um, walking with, um, very similar to life groups here, decided to do this thing. Of course, Kristen did all the work. <laughs> 
like she always does. But, um, but, we, but um, she made all this bread, and then we basically wrote like these dorky little notes. And, uh, and we delivered it to all these neighbors with our kids, with a couple of my daughters that are over here. And we delivered these loaves of bread, and something changed. <clears throat> Namely, the neighbor next to us, her name's Maria, and we did not realize that she was the, uh, this was a Mexican neighborhood, and she did not re- we did not realize that she was the matriarch over um, really the, the main people um, in the Northside gang. And she liked that bread. She liked that bread so much that she told uh, the Northsiders to lay off us. <clears throat> and things began to change. Um, we began to see a level of grace um, for us as we, as we lived and walked in that neighborhood. Um, we began to um, have people come to our um, house. Um, I mean, there, there are so many stories. I do not have time to tell them. There are so many stories um, from that season of literal lives being saved, um, of people being saved in Christ, of people being discipled. And I guess what I just want to mention is, is that it took for us, you know, we weren't trying to do like um, something that was overtly uh, Christian-y or churchy. We just wanted to bless the people um, that we lived around. And that, those, those, those small acts of kindness, like baking that bread, um, is something that the Lord graciously used to open a lot of doors, which then opened a lot of doors. And I just want to mention one more thing. I was thinking about, I was thinking about this. It says, Awaken Detroit to the greatest adventure of all time. But I just want to mention, you know, this is what we're called to as a church. And in order, in order to embark on an adventure with risk and where we don't know the outcome, means that we are following Jesus, means that we are stepping out in faith. It means that we are walking in community um, with those around us. We pray that you're encouraged to see gospel community. If you live here in the Detroit area, we would love to invite you to check out Life Groups. We have five different locations for you to choose from throughout the city. And for the next two months, we'll actually be studying the book of Ephesians together, scripture by scripture, chapter by chapter, as a family. You can find out more information by going to our website, DetroitChurch.com slash Life Groups. God bless you.